Hello, this is the Jill Cruz podcast, and I'm Jill Cruz. So today I had a very interesting conversation with Romy Carlson. And Romy is a mom, get this, four kids and four dogs, yes. And she is an executive at a digital health company and and she is also a tennis player and she competes on the national level. So she's really doing a lot in life. But one of the things that we talked about was like, you know, she didn't wake up that way. Like life brought her to that and it was a series of experiences and you know, lessons learned and all of that to get her to where she is today, where she feels very successful in her career, her personal life, and she is able to manage to give herself the self-care that she, she requires and she deserves. So getting that balance between being very busy with work and life and everything, but also taking time for yourself. So I think that was a very interesting aspect of the conversation that she, she's been through the school of hard knocks to get to where she is. So I think you'll really appreciate that aspect and also the, the things that she's learned along the way that have helped her to be successful. And we talk about human connection, which I think is so important, and raising up other women in, in all aspects of our lives. So pretty good stuff. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Hello, Romy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Sure. Good morning, Jill. So I would love to dive right in. And just a moment ago, you were telling me that you have four children and four dogs. And that alone is just a topic of conversation. <laughs> um, but I know you, you're also an executive and, so you're, and you also play tennis as an amateur, but you compete on a national level. So there you are accomplishing a lot in life and from, from what I can tell. So how do you do it? How do you, how do you manage all of these different aspects of your life? It's probably not appropriate to say, but a lot of coffee and a lot of alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen, we have to be honest here. We cannot try to pretend that we're something we're not. And that, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. No, I, you know, it's funny. They should also have a podcast for recovering dog rescuers with lots of children and lots of dogs. That's a whole nother topic you can start. I, on a daily basis, you know, wonder myself how to get everything to fit into one day, but I think it's really a uh, exercise in prioritization. And then also, though we have every streaming option available, I don't watch much in the way of TV. So I'm always like three episodes to three series seasons behind and everything everyone else is talking about. But I do end up being able uh, to work out, play tennis every day, which is my mental health. So some people go and get therapy. I take everything out on the tennis court. I work for a European digital health company. So uh, some would hate this, but I actually have uh, the majority of my internal meetings between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. And then it allows me to get a lot done both from a uh, activity perspective as well as professional perspective by five o'clock. And then I'm able to be with my kiddos and at their sports. They're also very active athletes uh, as well. And then also I have a fantastic husband. So oh, yes, he helps yes, it's a support system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wait, how old are your children? Yeah. So I have a, a five-year-old just started kindergarten. 
eight-year-old, almost nine, and then a 10-year-old. And then I actually have a 20-year-old who is in her junior year of college. Okay. Okay. So you have three kiddos at home. I have a 20-year-old. We can never discount the importance of being there for our college kids as well. (laughs) In some ways, it can be harder. They have, you know, more pressing, serious challenges that they need to deal with. Uh, I'm working now on you know, getting applications for internships and thinking about what's after, you know, junior and senior year. So real life stuff that uh, yeah. is a big deal. It's like parenting on steroids in many ways, once many ways, once they leave the house, because the level of worry is just like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a totally different ball game. You know, like I know I was thinking about this the other night, like when I was falling asleep and my one daughter is in, you know, in school and the other one is, well, she's not in school. It's a long story, but she's living in the city. And <laughs> um, my other daughter's at home, but she she was at her friend's house. And I was like, gone are the days when at least at like 10 p.m., my kids were in bed and I knew mm-hmm. they were safe, you know? That's <laughs> yeah. like a different world. You know, I think a lot of things have changed that though, right? I mean, I think just social media alone, even now, I feel like at 10 p.m., even if your kids are home, it's not always that. They're safe yes. and you're kind of off duty. And yeah. I do definitely feel you. We, I live in uh, Kansas City and my daughter is going to college in Savannah, Georgia. And so mm-hmm. it, it was a lot to process. And, you know, we're so excited for her. It was her first choice college and she's loving it. But to be that far away and not to be able to, you know, get to her in a really quick time frame if she needed us and to really, I will say it's, the other asset, though, is video capabilities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. being able to get on a video call, she FaceTimes with her siblings regularly, so they, they miss her a ton, but it's nice Aww. to have that. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's, it is a lot for a parent to manage. And I think, you know, my parents, there's everything comes with pros and cons and technology has added a lot of additional stressors, but also some, some benefits uh, as we're parenting yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good point. It's so easy to demonize it, but then you have wonderful aspects yeah. to it. Yeah. So, all right. So you you work for European companies. So from six to ten, you are <laughs> online. You're working remotely. I'm assuming yeah. it sounds like yeah. yeah. And you're I an early riser. Lithuania, but yeah, I oh. am an early riser. Uh, I was just. I did spend a week in Lithuania, which was my first time to Lithuania. So really interesting experience. It's an amazing, beautiful country. I am and have always been an early riser. So I have a high achieving mom who thought if we slept in, we were sick. Mm -hmm. And so she got us up by six every morning and we would learn to exercise in the morning. And I actually go to a boot camp at 5am every morning. And then I'm back by six for my first meeting. Mm-hmm. And kind of how I start my day off, which I think is another trick to, you know, how to fit everything in as a busy working mom uh, and prioritize. I, I do get up earlier than most, but I love the feeling of by 10 o'clock having accomplished so much. Yeah. And, you know, and having some time and some hours still to kind of process when I was working for an American company uh, most recently, which was not too long ago. But at four or five o'clock, I would realize I hadn't done any note taking. I hadn't done any kind of planning for the next day. I hadn't, there was so much additional work and it would bleed into my time with my children. Mm. And so I, I feel like as a, a higher level exec, 
this has helped me a lot to not a lot, you know, to, to re- really respect those boundaries so that I do get to focus on my kids when they're at their practices or their games and I'm not sitting on a phone call or on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So early rising boundaries. What I'm also hearing is this respect of your energy levels. Like you are someone who wakes (laughs) up early. So like for me, that would be uh, 7 a.m. is like my perfect (laughs) wake up time. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's a really important aspect of it, right? Is that knowing yourself and knowing, Mm -hmm. and you also mentioned how tennis is this outlet for you. And just yeah. understanding that about, I think really being on, being aware of what's going on within yourself is such an important part of being productive, but also safeguarding your self-care. You know, I think it's also not only knowing it yourself, but surrounding yourself with people who also respect it and honor it themselves, and then teaching your family, your children to respect it as well. Of course, I have little ones who love, uh, luckily still, I'm dreading the day they won't love to be with me all the time, but also teaching them that not only is it important for me for our family, but it's also important that they learn that they get to, you know, really respect time for themselves and to make sure they prioritize it. I also, you know, you mentioned I am by nature an early riser. And so some of that my mom probably trained and then I was a rower Mm -hmm. in college and we had practice Mm -hmm. at 5am. Oof. Uh, yeah, but also, but it, it also kept me from the normal freshman 15 and also the uh, level of alcohol that I feel like a lot of <laughs> freshmen intake. You don't want to do that and then go on a boat in the morning at 5 a.m. And so, but I think it's all of that awareness, right, of just how you're, pri- again, it goes back to prioritizing. What is it that you are going to, you only have, the one thing I can't control is 24 hours in a day. Mm. And so with those 24 hours, how am I going to allot them and prioritize them? And then additionally, you know, make sure I surround myself with people who are going to respect that for themselves as well as for me. And then I teach it to the, the people that, which has been a lesson over a lot of years. It was not, you know, it's not been an easy road. And I feel like now that I'm in my 40s, I feel like I have the experience and the justification to, to protect all those things. I think it's harder as a younger woman, especially in business, it was to say no to meetings later in the day or to not feel like I had to, you know, be superwoman and somehow pull it all off. But now to say, you know, this is what I need to accomplish in a day. This is how I'm going to prioritize my life. And then additionally, here's what I need from those around me to do so and and then be willing to give it myself for them. So, yeah, I I really want to appreciate and highlight what you're saying about setting that example for the people around you, like your children, of course, right? Because you're teaching them really how to take care of themselves and also be successful, which is like the modern woman's major conundrum, (laughs) right? How do I be everything to everybody, but also, you know, take care of myself. Like that is such a big issue. And you are literally, you're modeling that (laughs) behavior for them. So they're learning, but also you're, you have the confidence to say to the people you work with and maybe your children and your husband as well, like, Hey, these are my parameters. This is, this is when I'm working and this is when I'm, I'll be with you. And because the thing is that if you don't do that, no one's going to do it for you. 
Mm-mm. right? Nope. No one's going to be like, oh, Romy, you know, I see that um, you're in Kansas City and we're here in Europe. Is, you know, is this too early or too later? <laughs> no one's going to yeah. say that to you. <laughs> and <laughs> they're I just going to do their thing, you know? Yeah, I think that's such a good call out because I think it's really easy both sides as a woman. And, you know, I think of myself as like uh, the daughter of a women's lib activist, right? So my mom right. was the first woman to live at the U of M Law Quad, first woman to graduate with a 4.0 uh, from U of M Law School. And w- one of the few parents of my friends who constantly worked and actually had higher income than my father. And um, and so I had this really fantastic role modeling between my parents, my dad, never made a comment about my mom, you know, Mm -hmm. having more income or something is emasculating him. He was very proud of her and Mm -hmm. we, he had four daughters. And so we're all raised in that same vein. One thing, so he was fantastic. She was challenged to feel like she was never doing enough. She was constantly trying to kind of justify. And I feel like that was one thing that I took away as her daughter is understanding I didn't think she should feel like that. And so I didn't want to feel like that myself. And I also didn't Mm -hmm. want to pass it down to any of my children, male or female, and we have two and two. So equal chance to blow it, of course, and equal chance to get it right. (laughs) Um, But I think that piece around the confidence and, and that's really you know, as I mentioned, I'm one of, I just mentioned, I'm one of four girls. I, I think that's where women can help women. And I think that that's where we can also hurt each other. And so I'm constantly trying to lean in with the women around me, the the girls that I'm raising and, and also the boys that are around me to say, you know, we're equally or, you know, equally valuable in society in what our contributions are and how we take care of ourselves is really important to that end. And so let's build each other up. Let's make it easier to be more successful. Let's make it, you know, not such mental health challenge. I think it's physically women have always been able to obviously set boundaries and prioritize and intellectually they have, but it's an emotional mental health challenge to say Mm -hmm. I'm enough, even though, or not even though I'm actually more than enough. And by setting these boundaries to your call out by modeling this behavior, I'm, you know, I'm actually raising a whole bunch of more healthy, more well children. If we're moms and if we're, you know, for any woman, I'm, I'm modeling and and contributing in a way that's more healthy and well, as I work in digital health. And so a lot of my focus is on mental health, condition management, making that easily accessible to the population. So something that I spend a ton of time on every day is seeing how mentally unwell we are, how physically Mm. unwell we are. And so, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that as a society, we have this puritanistic approach to hard work, not, you know, being humble, which is great, not putting ourselves first, but in the instance of healthcare and health and well-being, it's hurt us. You know, luckily I get to work in something that I'm super passionate about. And then I get to actually try and apply those behaviors in my home. And it is top of mind. I think it can also be a lot more challenging depending on the industry you're in as a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. health and well being tends to be very female centric and we have a lot of women in it. Technology, not as much. And so when you marry the two, there's there's a bit more balance, I think. And mm. we can really support each other. And I've seen that more and more too. My previous company, I had a female CEO by design. I chose that company because of that. And I did see that she really prioritized 
all of us taking time for ourselves. She understood that we were more productive if we had opportunities to for self-care and then also for growth and uh, personal development and all of those things. And, you know, hopefully I can take those learnings and apply them here to my next company and encourage it. And um, we'll just start to see more and more women empowering each other. And then I don't like to take the responsibility off our gender counterparts in men. Mm, Um, uh I think, you know, there's so much value, not just in humanitarian value, but just there's so much value to the business world as we start to realize that everyone taking care of themselves is going to to ultimately not only make us more productive and you know financially more solvent, but additionally, just it's a more enjoyable life and at the end all be all of it. And what I tell my 20 year old is, you know, you got, you really have one shot at this that we know for sure. So you make it the best it can be from a quality of life perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much in there. I I had a couple of questions. Um, One is how do we as women, so I, Listen, I surround myself with women all the time. Like I I don't go to networking groups with men. It's always women. <laughs> all of our clients are women pretty much. I mean, we yeah. have a few men, a few men who sneak in, but <laughs> <laughs> even this podcast I only invite women guests right. or anybody who identifies as a woman. So I feel like I've kind of created my own little world where it doesn't matter what men do because they're doing their stuff over there. Well, I love football. So I, I watch a lot of men playing sports, but (laughs) I do have a husband, but you know, and brothers, but in general, I feel very like I'm in my own little bubble. I protect myself in a way I've managed to avoid a lot of the stuff that for someone who might be working in the corporate environment. Yeah or in a school or, you know, in a mixed environment, I have shielded myself from that, honestly. And I think it's pretty deliberate. So let's say for a woman who's in the the more of a world of mixed like you, how do we help each other? Yeah, I think that's one of the most important questions that you could ask, honestly, in this day and age, especially with the election coming up. There's just so many, Uh right, current events and trends that where we really need to lean in and help each other and find our voices and be that support system. And I think it's, it's conscious and intentional, right? So, and it's so easy to lose sight of that piece of it, but I think making sure that you, any women that are in your sphere, that any opportunity that you have to build them up to you know, be there for, I have a good friend who struggles to work out regularly. And so my goal with that relationship is not only to be her with her as a friend, because she's amazing and hilarious, but it's also to be with her as a support system to try and, and, you know, motivate her and, and support her to be more well, because that's an area that she's highlighted. She wants to work on. And that's a strength that I have. And so I've often felt like over the years, when there's someone, a woman specifically, who's really leaning in and trying to support other women more broadly, you know, it's not uncommon for me to walk up to someone who I don't know and tell them how, you know, fantastic they look and not just in their aesthetic, but in how they're presenting themselves to the world or how much I liked hearing what they said or, you know, getting outside our comfort zone to really connect with women and to build them up and to instead of doing the comparison fault, which I feel like is 
the intensity of social media on top of just human nature, mm-hmm. where we're always thinking, are we better at that than that person is? Do we look better? Do Would we feel better? I, I just, I've had to coach myself. I'm normal. I have had to coach myself out of that to yeah. say, instead of what is she doing really well that I could learn from, that I could, you know, take uh, notes on, that I could, could make me better Mm-hmm. instead of trying to be better than her, better than the person I am today. And I think if women could focus on that instead of constantly seeing ourselves as a product to be one, which is integrated and integral into how we've been raised to think, Yeah, right? Dating sites push us that way. Uh, I feel like clothing pushes us that way. Mm-hmm. I you know, have listened to a bunch of podcasts recently about how even the sizing in women's clothing makes women feel like they need to compare one to the other. And Mm. uh, such a fundamental basic thing that really is molding how we talk and interact. So I think it's very guerrilla tactic Mm -hmm. (laughs) of just as you're walking down the street, as you have friends, as you have relationships, work counterparts, and I think it has to go across all veins of your life. So it can't just be mm-hmm. at work that I focus mm-hmm. on building women up. It can't just yeah. be in tennis when I'm out on the court with my partner. And it can't just be at home when I'm raising my daughters and talking to my sons about how they interact with women. But it's it's all of those. It has to be an intentional piece of my life every day. And I feel like that piece is really part of me as well. One of I'm the youngest of four girls I adore my sisters. Uh, I've looked up to them my whole life. And so, you know, I I watched them kind of beat themselves up for things that really weren't valid and it hurt my heart. And so, you know, trying to not only help them feel stronger, but also to expand that to, you know, everybody should have a sister, a little sister that looks up, says like, you're just amazing. And could we do that for everybody? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm thinking this all relates back to self-care as well, because if yeah. you are ragged and tired and just, <laughs> you know, running on the fumes, it's very hard to lift other people up. Yeah. Right. Like if you're right. all and, and also, I think for those of us who have created a life where we are able to have that expansiveness, that that extra energy, that extra attention, appreciation, love that we can give to others just by whatever reasons. Maybe it's, you know, white privilege, right? Maybe it's um <laughs> maybe it's totally. the, for whatever reason we had a mother a mother who set that example. Like there's so many everybody has their own story. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important for us to, if we have that extra little bit to give. I love how you said it has to be in every aspect of our lives. And it, and it could be just something as simple as being at the checkout aisle and, yeah. you know, the person's really busy and you're just say, hey, thank you. Thank you for, for being here today. Thank you for your service, yeah. whatever, whatever it is, you know, and, and people like, I'm just thinking for some reason, like at the supermarket, the woman, you know, checking out your groceries. Yeah. How many, how many times do people go by and no one says anything? But to just call out, I, I actually really enjoy doing that because I don't know, it's just like that's that's an actual human being there checking yeah. out my groceries, mm-hmm. right? Like she has children, she has, or maybe not, maybe she has grandchildren, maybe she yes. doesn't, but the point is she has a life. And so yeah. if I, I think the word that you use that I really, really, I really want to call out is connection. Yeah. Connection. The more that we connect, 
that actually can feed us too. So if you are a little raw and ragged and whatever, even you just saying something nice can can make you yourself feel better if you if you have the bandwidth for it. Some days I'm sure there are many days when all of us just can't <laughs> do that. But <laughs> maybe it depends on your mood. But I think I'm I and this there's actually research in this that um I know like for stress that yeah. One of the best ways to lower the stress response in your body is to help others, to help a neighbor or, totally. or volunteer, which is just incredible. I mean, we're, as human beings, we are just designed to connect with each other. We crave it so much. And well, so, isn't it Maslow's um, theory, right? Yeah. We, we need human connection or you need connection. Yeah. And I have four dogs uh, for that reason as mm-hmm. well. I think that, you know, it's funny that you call out connection because it is in my professional life, it's how it's, it's a word I actually have up on my wall and it's, I'm in sales. And so it's easy to be, have such a focus on objective that I need to Mm -hmm. sell something. I need to get a contract to lose sight of the person buying it. And I think Mm -hmm. that has been a strength of mine throughout my career. And it's, it's actually selfishly motivated. I'm really curious. And so Mm -hmm. I like to learn about people and I also have a sense of humor. And so most interactions have humor embedded in them if you open yourself up to see it. And and for me, that's fulfilling through the day. If I can go through, I love coming home. My husband has a good sense of humor. And so I like to come home and we tell each other the stories of our day, whether it's work or the kids or our friends and having that thread of connection and humor that goes through because living this life, it can be hard. As you mentioned, it can be fun. It can be all those things, but there's a humanness to the vulnerability and the realness of connection that it's nice to kind of settle into, right. And to be present in, and I do, it's what you called out the the poor grocery tellers. There are probably lots of times there are days they want to just like laser focus and get it done, but I never let them. I always am asking them about something. I like to hear their stories. And, uh, and I think that's it, leaving space to hear people. That, that's that been a lesson learned for me is to slow down, mm-hmm. uh, I think, really quickly. And so sometimes it's a conscious effort. To, yeah. I want to ask the next question or I want to, I've had a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you. I have to flip the script on podcasts, but um, <laughs> I, I think that piece of it is just to, to be present in what they're saying and then mm-hmm. be available mentally and physically. And some days I don't feel it right. There are days mm-hmm. when I'm like, I'm exhausted, but that's the moment when I have to level up for myself in being focused on connection. And that was one of the things I was seeing with my kids, especially is it was easy to say, oh, I'm going to teach them hard work ethic and I'm going to be working um, and they should understand that. And, but I wasn't connecting with them. Uh I would come home from taking them to practices and I would have spent two hours with them, but not really have connected and had understood their experience and been able to, you know, be influenced by or influence them. And so that they really taught me that lesson, especially once they could really talk and, 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 you know, vocalize what they needed. And it's made me better at work. It's made me better as a leader and a manager, just to make sure that uh, I leave space for actually conscious and an intentional connection. Well, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And it feeds your soul. You, you know what you want, you know who you are. And I think these are really important things just from, you know, the, half hour that I've known you, right? Like I, I, I see that it's very apparent yeah. to me. And I think all of these things are 
they're all part of that picture of being successful and caring for yourself. When you know who you are, what your values are, what's important to you in life, what your priorities are, and you also are doing work that you love. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all feeding your soul. So yeah, you're working X number of hours in the day and, and then you're going to go play tennis or practice tennis, probably work out as well, you know, like all these things, right. To support the tennis. These are all things that you love or are important to you. And mm-hmm. I think when, when work is a grind or even workout is a grind, which yeah. granted sometimes it can be. It. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes uh, people just don't love it. You know, right. I mean, I think that's, the, that was hard for me to understand. I, started as an aerobics instructor and, oh. and personal trainer. And so to me, like the only frustration with it was that if I was training someone, I didn't get to work out. And so, <laughs> but I, I realized it was a good lesson that some people dread it. And, yeah. and actually my job as a personal trainer and my job as an aerobics instructor at the time was to figure out how I could get them, not necessarily to love it because that was unrealistic, but to yeah. not hate it. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes in life, that's what you're having to do, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to just had to do our taxes. And I'll tell you right there, that's something that I hate. And so yeah. I have tried to figure out ways to not hate it so that I'm not spending three hours on something that I hate. Instead, I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't love it. And I think sometimes there's a there's a couple good kind of mental training movements and around neutrality. And I, that's the piece I struggle with. As you can imagine, I'm pretty high enthusiasm and then I get pretty worn. I don't ever get in a bad mood, but I get worn out, right? I get Uh tired. Uh And so striving to kind of keep at a level playing field with my children, with my work, with, you know, a a neutral mind is my kind of next level up. Uh Mm-hmm in my being so that I can, and it'll, you know, I know once I get better at it, it will help my tennis game. It'll help my work life. And most importantly, how I interact with my family. But the one thing you also said that I think is of worth noting is I feel really at 45, I feel really confident and strong. And I feel like, you know, I just took on a, a C-suite role and I'm kind of the path that I'm hoping, you know, and that I've tried to build um, have a really fantastic family and I'm seeing a lot of, you know, success for them and happiness for them. At the same time, it's been on a journey and an evolution. And I think at 20, I thought there was an expectation that I would already be there. And so I spent a lot of my twenties, one in a marriage that wasn't the right marriage for me and um, trying to be something everyone, I thought everyone thought I should be. Uh-huh. And then you know, it was a big wake up call in a life experience. I don't regret any of it. I, I think I am better at being a wife and a mom and a professional and a athlete because I had that, but I don't want to paint this picture for the young twenties of the world. My daughter included that it, it all kind of happens in exactly that sequence that it's supposed to, you know, I'm 45. Yeah. So t- 27 years ago, I kind of started on my adult journey And Uh I would say it's taken, you know, to the last few years for me to really be able to say I can sit in a corporate meeting and and feel confident and and set my boundaries and I can sit in my household and do the same. And then with my friends and my, you know, teammates that I can do the same. So I think it is that journey. And we as especially women, because we are expected to look perfect and act perfect all the time. Still, I think society thinks that that we need to give ourselves space for the Uh journey. Uh-huh. And that, and to instead of waiting for it to happen, 
be like experience it all the way along. I wish I missed a lot of humor mm-hmm. in my 20s. I know I did because I was so focused on already being there that I missed the journey. I missed yeah. the moments that I could have really, you know, kind of laughed at and had a lot more fun with because I was so focused on being that perfection or being where I was supposed right. to be. So if that, that would be, if someone asked me, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? That's the advice I would give is well, to live in that moment. I, I want to take that advice and apply it to anybody. Cause you know, in, in my world, so I, we help women lose weight in yeah. an enjoyable way, which I know is totally radical, right? Like which, who, who, who <laughs> right, think that you're going to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think one of the one of the biggest challenges is that just like every other aspect of our lives as women, we're expected to do it right, get it right, do, and do it with flair and grace, and 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 yeah. don't ever get angry. God forbid we get angry about anything. Sweat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so in the weight loss journey, I think I would take your same advice and apply that. Like it's not. I've never seen anybody. Just be like, yeah, well, maybe I get the tougher cases, okay. But you know, I'm just saying, in my experience, no, I've I never seen right. anybody who's just like, yeah, I'm gonna lose weight and just boom, you know, they just they, they everything's easy and it, it, that's not the way it is. And I think in life in general, I don't know why with dieting. Well, I do know why because that's the expectation that's put out there by the by these companies trying to sell their weight loss programs is like, oh, well, you know, you're just gonna restrict everything and eat, you know, a couple of peas a day and, and you'll lose weight and you'll be happy and all your dreams will be realized and you, and life will be I'll wonderful. Be it's like, yeah, <laughs> me too. But you know, it's that expectation. And I think what happens is we get so focused on the outcome of the number on the scale or the size of the dress yep. that we forget to have a good time. We forget to see the humor in the process. And we, and we forget that it's a, just like learning anything else. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall off and we're going to, you know, it's going to be bumpy and it's going to be a zigzag. It's not going to be this straight line. So I, I love your advice because I think it applies to weight loss. I think it applies to any health endeavor. Everything. If you if you've never been someone who's played tennis before and all of a sudden you start, hey, I want to play tennis you're going to have a learning curve, right? Yeah. It's not going to be this yeah. linear thing. So have some fun on the on the road. So I think that's a wonderful piece of advice for everything in life, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, like you said, for women, we have to, not only do we have to do it well, we have to look good doing it. I, I reject that. I think we should all get a little messier. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I always tell my friends who are kind of struggling and they, they'll say, you know, mom, friends, we all... Uh, have these high expectations of ourselves and yeah and they'll beat themselves up and like the only reason I like you actually is because you're vulnerable right. and you drink too much and you you know come out in your sweatpants to school events and I mean that's yes. the part that I love about you is the real part and yes if we're really honest with ourselves when we think about the people we like most in our lives it's the people who are most real with us yeah. who don't put on that perfectionism And that was a lesson for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like my friendships, my relationships got so much deeper Mm -hmm. in my 20s when I started to realize like, actually, I'm not, no one's actually believing I'm perfect. I don't care how good my suit looks. I don't care how well my hair is done. I don't care how many, you know, events I go to in a week. I'm not, I'm not putting the wool over anyone. In fact, Mm -hmm. they all know. And so once you realize everyone else gets it and you stop putting that pressure on yourself to look perfect all the time and you be more vulnerable, 
not only do you have a deeper connection, which of course kind of theme of my life is that connection, but you also have more ability to have that confidence and respect for yourself. And so, you know, being, I I wish America is one of the worst countries now that I work for a European country Mm -hmm. in accepting vulnerability and accepting kind of quirks and uniqueness and Mm. that, and then moving from acceptance to celebrating and to honoring and to respecting. And I think that that's an evolution that, you know, as if we can allow for it, it would make everybody more well and, and certainly allow us to build each other up. And I do think as women, at least in our own groups and networks, we need that, right? Like, let's just at least be real with each other. Yeah. You can still go out to the, you know, social events or to your school events and have to be perfectly quaffed. But when you're with me or when you're we're with each other, let's just be real. And that's another way to to help raise up other women, right? Like if we yeah. all are as moms, like putting on this facade of like, oh, my house is always clean. I remember I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years and, you know, my house was spick and span, but I, I also had the time to do it. Okay. So, right. you know, I was you kind saw of bored, <laughs> but yeah, like if I was working full-time, but we sort of, we all kind of put this expectation on each other and that's another way we can support each other is by, I don't want to say lowering the expectation. I think what, what it is, is like you were saying, just be real, just be real so that we can all drop the facade together and be like, you know what, this is hard. And if we can connect with each other and support each other, that's, what's going to make it easier. Not I've got it all figured out and look at her, you know, and and that we know that judgment is always coming from a place of self-judgment, right? Insecurity. Yeah. I'm actually worried about what my, my own, as, as my, um, my, one of my daughter's kindergarten teachers said, I love this expression, tend to the flowers in your own garden. Right. You know, like if a kid was looking at somebody else, he said, just tend to the flowers in your own garden and take care of yourself and be you. And then, you know, you you don't have to worry about what other people are doing. It it makes you less, like you said, it makes you more confident. Yeah, I would actually challenge. And that's one thing I, fitness clubs used to be, right? Women, like there are women's fitness clubs. And I always think like, why do women need their own fitness clubs? Like, that's crazy. Why can't we go in and feel confident in a fitness club, no matter what size or, you know, I get it. It's societal, but So my thought is now having worked in fitness clubs and in fitness for a long time, everyone in there is totally focused on their own garden. They're not all that interested (laughs) in it. If you're at a fitness club, you're there to work out and to do your own thing. I mean, there's some, I shouldn't say everyone, but 85, 90% are focused on their own garden. And so less than even focusing on your own garden, like invest in building every, you know, growing everyone's garden including your own. And so yeah. you don't need to to think about, does mine match the others? You know, mm-hmm. it's like a whole field of wildflowers. Nobody's wondering if one's taller oh. than the other. They just all look yeah. gorgeous. And so oh, like that. really thinking about how you can so easy to let comparison yeah. and insecurity come back into play. Social media intensifies it. And that's where I do struggle. Social media brings a lot of connection, but it also brings that opportunity so really challenging yourself. And I should give my, he's going to, if he listens to this, my husband's going to not believe I'm giving him this props, but my husband's more prolific on social media than I am. I just don't have time, honestly. And, but he is no issue with posting pictures of me that I feel are very unflattering. And I gave uh-huh. him a tough time about that this weekend uh-huh. and really uh-huh. 
one of the things I love about him is that he's totally real uh-huh. and has the same respect for me. And when I said something about the picture, I said, oh, it was so unflattering. And he said, I don't know why you think that. I think you're always beautiful. And I thought, mm. he's being honest. Like, he's not even yeah. just saying this. He yeah. actually thinks that. It's crazy. But he actually thinks that. And then I thought to myself, like, and now I just did it again, that kind yeah. of like beating myself down, see myself through his eyes, like, let's build each other up. And I think a lot of times it's not at, society has caused some of it, but we're perpetuating it. And the only, yeah. also talk to my kids about this all the time. The only thing I can change is me. Mm-hmm. And so all those things around, at least in the moment, right, we can lean in and have movements. And I'm a big believer uh, in all those things. But but in the moment, I can change how I speak about myself, how I see myself, how I see others and how I speak to others. And that's where our focus should be. Grow yes. them, em- empower them, build them and then as well build myself. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I think that's think that's a wonderful place to end because yeah. it's something I talk about all the time. It's like that internal dialogue. And it's not easy. You know, you wake up in the morning yeah. and you know, those old thoughts from yesterday are coming back and it takes that little bit of extra it's just like exercise or meditation or getting in bed on time or eating well. Like it takes that yeah. little bit of extra you know, that willpower, that, that motivation really, right? Like what's in it for me and what's in it for you to have that just not be on default mode of, oh yeah, I look like crap or, you know, whatever all the negative things that we say to about ourselves is take that little bit of time to say what's really going on here. And the payoff is so great. The payoff is so great because then you really do feel better. Like it really yeah. makes you feel better. I, totally. I'm a fan of mantras. Like I use mantras all the time. Yeah. One same. of my one of my daily mantras is I am good enough. That you yeah. said it earlier too. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's my mantra. I always I say that to myself all the time. And it, it's just a reminder because life kind of can beat you down if you don't if yeah. you let it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's gender specific. I think that's no. forever, right. Yeah. That's just human. That's just yeah. human. That's just being alive. Yeah, it manifests in different way, I think, for men and women. But yeah, in any case, I agree with that. This, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've really appreciated all of your wisdom, true, truly, truly wisdom of sharing your experiences of of learning. You know that yeah. because because someone could listen and be like, well. I don't know. Romy has like, she's got it going on. You know, she's an executive. She's playing she's tennis at a high me. level <laughs> at or like 6 PM. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, it's easy to hear other people and say, wow, you know, that's yeah. not me, but we all, we all have our own level of challenges. And I love the fact that you shared with us this arc of acquiring that wisdom and coming to where you are now. It didn't, you didn't wake up like this one day. You just, it was life. So I appreciate yeah. everything that you shared. And I, and I think our listeners will too. No, this has been such a pleasure, Jill. Thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciated the time. Sure. I learned a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to that podcast episode with Romy Carlson. And you can connect with Romy on LinkedIn. We will put the URL for her profile in the show notes so you can check her out. And she works for Kilo Health, which is a digital health company. And I also want to give a shout out to Romy for just being a great mom, committed to her family, her career, and her tennis playing. I just, I really enjoyed talking to her and getting to know her. 
also, I want to recommend that you check out our website, which is winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N weightloss.com. And the W-Y-N stands for with your nature. So we take a completely different approach to wellness and weight loss, which is based in love. The foundation of the work that we do is love, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, pleasure, and fun. We talked about fun in the podcast episode. So yes, let's have fun on the way. And, and weight loss can actually be an enjoyable journey. So that's what we do. That's what we're about. Check us out at winweightloss.com. And if you do forward slash blog, you can check out all of those uh, blog posts that we have. Good some articles for more inspiration and information. Thank you for listening today.